You're listening to the MoneyWeb Now podcast series with Simon Brown. Live streamed every weekday at 6.30 a.m. Friday, 11 November, Armistice Day, commemorating end of First World War. I'm Simon Brown, coming at you live and loud from the MoneyWeb studios in Houghton, Johannesburg. On the show today, chat with Jimmy Moyer. U.S. inflation came in better than expected, and we got a face-ripping rally. Uh, and we'll touch on some multi-choice results. Craig Antonio from Anbro Capital. They're launching a new dynamic compound portfolio. Uh, we'll dig into that. And my thoughts on U.S. dollar strength. Has it peaked? The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. Morning headlines from MoneyWeb. Former PPC CFO identified as source of market-sensitive media links. uh, Sorry, media leaks. This is as a PPC finally compiled, uh, complied with a court order to release the report. This is why companies need to release that information and not keep it to themselves because. It's important to the broader community. Business Day, confess if you want forgiveness, Visa tells Yosta. Uh, retail tycoon is no doubt former CEO will go to jail because money always leaves a trail. He's right, but I'm not sure he is. Morning markets, uh, US, yeah, I mean face ripping. S&P up 5.5%, NASDAQ up 7.5%, but that's only the 14th best ever day for the NASDAQ. Uh, Asia's mixed, Sydney's down half a percent, Tokyo up two and three quarters. Commodities, all green, gold, 1,755. Brent, 93.91. Platinum, 1,050. Palladium, 1,953. Rand, 17.43. Bitcoin, a little better, 16,900. Tencent up seven and a quarter percent in Hong Kong. And top 40 looking for a 800 point green open, one and a quarter percent higher. MoneyWeb now on the money. Also available on podcast. Tony now with Jimmy Moyaha, independent analyst. Jimmy, before we get to the US, quickly let's touch on the multi-choice numbers. I mean, there's funnies in them. I mean, at headline level, they actually report a giant loss because that's because of currency. We need to look at core. Uh, they're still losing premium clients in South Africa, but they're doing all right in the rest of the of the continent. Yeah, so multi-choice. I mean, I, I had a conversation with uh, their group CEO yesterday, and they. Um, are quite happy with their first half of the year numbers. They know that, uh, or they acknowledge that consumers were under pressure. And mm-hmm. despite the consumer market being under pressure, they did still manage to pull off some really good numbers. Uh, we know that headline earnings were up some 2%, uh, trading profit up some 6% according to the numbers that they reported. Uh, but I think their focus um, for the first half of the year was on um, finding those pockets of profitability where it was difficult to. Uh, and I think Africa did well for them, uh, while the Nigeria business accounting for yeah. the large part of the African business, of course, there. Um, so from that perspective, I think they, they did report fairly uh, good numbers. They did say that their focus for, Q, uh, for second half of the year was, of course, going to be around the World Cup. Um, and they're looking to see if they can maximize off of that and grow uh, the markets in that respect. I mean, their streaming business has been doing fairly well for them. And obviously, they'd want to capitalize on that going into such a big event. Yeah, and of course, it's, it's that streaming. I always forget their own Showmax, which is quite cunning for them. But yeah, if I'm going to sign up for the World Cup, I'm going to go Showmax. I'm not going to go uh, uh, DSTV. 
Let's let's turn our attention to the US. Uh, inflation data came out 3.30 our time. Uh, previous was 8.2, expected was 8%, and the reality was 7.7%. And to say markets went wild would be an understatement. The market is basically saying we've peaked with inflation, everything's going to be okay, the Fed's going to take their foot off the pedal, and it's all just roses and honey. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, the market's either saying that or they're saying we hope that that's the situation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we know that it's it's always important to look at more than one data point, yeah. but I think this is a significant data point. I think um, you you've seen that in the past we've seen they've gotten unemployment down in the U.S. They've kept job numbers elevated. Might not have been the best um, job print uh, this last round, but if you look at overall. Uh, market perception at the stage is to say we needed this data point. We needed to see that something is happening as a result of all of these consecutive rate hikes, as a result of um, interest rates sitting at 4% in the US where they haven't been for the last 30 years or so, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. we needed something that was going to give us an indication that inflation is. Uh, heading in the right direction. And that data point as it came through was um, exactly what the market wanted to see or what the market had been hoping to see. We know, of course, that um, there's been conversation. I mean, the San Francisco Fed president, Mary um, Daly, for the longest time has said that even if uh, it does start to peak, it doesn't mean that the U.S. Fed is going to stop rate hikes. They might do a slower rate hiking cycle. And up to now, we've priced in rates probably peaking at, at about 5 maybe 5.25%. And this could spell uh, rates peaking a little lower than that if uh, we get a, a consecutive inflation print or we start to get more positive data that indicates that inflation has indeed peaked. The Fed could potentially slow down in terms of their rate hiking cycle. But it's unlikely that um, they'll get to a point where they say, okay, cool. Rates are happy where we are. We need to now start with decreasing interest rates. I think we're still quite a bit away from a decrease in interest rates, but definitely a slowdown. We might not see 0.75% um, rate hikes anymore. We might probably see 05 uh, or even 25 bips going into uh, the new year. I take your point on that. I mean, in essence, that data point says that we have a map out of the woods, but we are not out of the woods. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's and that's and that's what I think that's what the markets have been looking for as well is to say um, we, we don't necessarily want a clear out of the woods solution at this stage because it's we're not we hoped for that at the start of all mm. of this. We never got that and we've adjusted to not having that. But what we do need to see is some sign of light at the end of the tunnel and markets have said, okay, cool. There's our light at the end of the tunnel coupled with what might be happening in China with them relaxing COVID, um, yeah, yeah. COVID regulations. And that's definitely seen the Chinese market surge as well. And so all markets are saying, okay, are we now potentially getting out of this very, very dark period that's been called 2022? Yeah, and I'm having a look. The Hong Kong uh, HSI is up 5.5%. Yep, Asia also going crazy everywhere. Sydney is the only red I've got on my screen this morning. I don't know what's happening in Australia. We'll leave that there, Jimmy Moyaha. And that's our question today on uh, LinkedIn and Twitter. Uh, That inflation print, I mean, does that mean inflation's over in the US? It's done for? uh, Or is it a case of, as Jimmy is saying there, sure, but still a long road? Or maybe you're saying, nope, still risky. Have your vote, have your say, LinkedIn and Twitter. There's no postponing the inevitable. Your money knew this day would come. And you know what? It can hardly wait to start giving some back to you. When you invest in Stanlib's fixed income funds, 
you can retire earning a regular income off your investments. Invest for more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Chatting with Craig and Tony, he's from Anbro Capital, a new product coming to market, Anbro Dynamic Compound Portfolio. Craig, appreciate the, the time as always. I suppose let's kick off Compound uh, Dynamic Compound Portfolio. What's the, the thesis behind the, this new product you're bringing? Hi there, Simon. Thanks again for having me. Always happy to be here. Well, this portfolio is a, an interesting one, and we think it's something that investors out there you know, might appreciate. The, the premise on this portfolio really is to invest in high-quality businesses across the globe mm-hmm. with one key differentiator, and that being these companies need to pay out a significant amount of cash flow in the form of dividends. Um, we then take those dividends and we reinvest those dividends back into the portfolio. And the aim really is the you know the compounding of dividend reinvestment, dividend growth, and share price appreciation over time. Which ultimately then you know has proven to be a very good investment strategy over the long run, and returns have been pretty decent, I must say. So there's two parts here, and one will be the stocks inside. We'll get to that in a moment. The other is reinvesting, because I mean that's how I run my personal portfolio. But in, usually when I buy a collective investment scheme, in fact I think it's the rules of of collective investment schemes in South Africa is they pay me out the dividends, and I've then got to go and do the schlep of of reinvesting. You're going to do that reinvestment automatically. Yes. So, you know, this is a portfolio that's going to be listed on the JSC in the form of an actively managed certificate, mm-hmm. um, which is very similar, well, which is exactly the same as our other portfolio, the unicorn portfolio. And that is, is essentially like an ETF. And, you know, what we do is we collect all the dividends inside that structure and then we rest, reinvest those dividends on behalf of clients back into the portfolio. Gotcha. And what sort of stocks? I mean, you're saying uh, you're looking for high high dividend stocks. I mean, the ones that 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 immediately then come to mind would be would be REITs, would be utilities, as as probably a, a core of it. I mean, there's lots of others. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking some of the consumer staples and the like as well. Yes. Well, you know, this portfolio is going to be one where you know we look for companies that we think not only offer value, so you know it has a more of a, a value tilt, if you like, mm-hmm. to it, um, but also companies that are extremely well run, have very strong balance sheets, and also obviously distribute the cash flow. And and as you rightly said, Simon, you know, there's various alternatives or avenues that we can use to to find these dividends and cash flows. Um, some of the most obvious ones are REITs or mm-hmm. property owning companies. And you know, there is a fairly chunky allocation of that in the portfolio. Um, also some utilities, yes. Um, high yielding equities as well. I mean, you, you know, there are a few out there, particularly in the, you know, global insurance and finance space, if you like. Um, infrastructure companies, you know, fit yeah, the bill. Okay. Um, energy pipelines, that kind of thing. They also fit the bill. So there's a pretty big universe to choose from, um, not just in the US, but in the world as a whole. And, so, and that's an important point. You, you, As I understand, this will be, it could be a Zod, dominated because it's trading on the JSC. It could be US dollar within the, the, the note, but you will look anywhere in, on planet Earth to find the right companies. Yes, definitely. I mean, and to give you a sense of it, I mean, you know, the world is obviously in an interesting place right now, as we know, and markets as a whole, you know, on a global stage have been battling this year. You know, so that prevents um, or rather provides us with 
an enormous opportunity to scout the globe for these opportunities. And, you know, at listing, the portfolio will be about 85% or so invested in North America. So it mm-hmm. will be where the bulk of the, the assets go. But, you know, we have about a 5% exposure in the UK, um, 7% in Europe, there's 2% in Switzerland. Um, you know, Canada is a, is a piece as well. So, you know, you know, we're looking for great value for companies that have been around for a long time that have an above average dividend yield. And, and that's the hunting ground. And I'm imagining as well is that, I mean, because one of the things with the dividend yield, and it's what I stress with folks, is like you know, a price falls, the dividend yield goes up. Um, but that means the dividend might be falling too. And, and, and you're looking through that and knowing it. But I'm imagining you're not just looking at current dividend yield. You're looking at, 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 at quality and, 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 and sort of sustainability of that dividend. Did they manage to hold it during the global financial crisis? Heck, did they hold it during the, during the pandemic? Yes, exactly. You know, and there are a few check boxes that we, we go through when we look for investments in this portfolio. Um, the first checkbox, as you rightly say, is staying power. You know, have these companies been around and have they endured previous periods of market and economic stress? And, you know, pretty much 2007 to nine, the GFC and COVID-19 are two important, you know, benchmarks to look at for that. Also, the balance sheets clearly have to be strong. You know, they need to be superior to average. They must have low leverage. They must have shown, you know, the ability to endure various cycles. You know, we want a margin of safety there as well. Mm. You know, not just in the business, but in the dividend too. And because the dividend is such an important part of this portfolio, you know, the dividends must be easily funded from existing business operations and cash flows. You know, and not not in any clearly obvious risk of being cut. So, you know, we tend to avoid companies that are more cyclical in nature. I mean, people may forget, but, you know, during the great financial crisis, even the mighty Anglo-American. I remember remember that day. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, and we're trying to avoid that, you know, so we're looking for businesses that have been able to pay, sustain and grow their dividends through multiple market cycles for yeah. many, many years. I was on the trading floor on that day when Anglo cut their dividend. I think the stock fell 40%. There was pay, scared people everywhere we looked. But the sort of companies you're talking around here, the, and, and you've mentioned them already, you know, for example, utilities. During the pandemic, I was still using water and electricity, truthfully, probably more because I was I was stuck at home. Uh, you know, infrastructure, they've almost got a built-in profitability, A, because of the, the, the necessity of, of the actual assets that they have, um, but also, again, then the, 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 the sort of inelastic demand. Well, exactly right. I mean, you know, one very obvious way to look for the products or services that you were really in, unable to live without, mm. you know, was during the pandemic. And as you rightly say, Simon, I mean, you know, you, you turned your lights on every day. Yeah. You know, you, you plugged in your TV, you know, you used your Wi-Fi, you used your cell phone, you used your PC. You know, what were the things that enabled this to happen? And you know, the important thing that is that showed the staying power of that sort of business, even when the world was pretty much grinding to a halt. Now, you know, infrastructure assets play a big part in the portfolio as well, you know, and these are you know, literally assets which are critical to the orderly functioning of an economy. You know, so it's not just things like road and railway and Mm. airports, but it's also things like, you know, solar farms, um, cellular towers, fiber optic networks, 
all that kind of thing. So it's a pretty interesting and exciting place to invest, even though it may not sound like it on the surface. Now, I take your point. And, and the one thing, I mean, you mentioned the Unicorn Portfolio. We've chatted about that before. Um, and and the, the one crossover I see between the two is, is management matters. You talk a lot about that in the Unicorn Portfolio. You talk about it here as well. And it's not just, it's, it's around having skin in the game. It's around being the right incentives for, 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 for management. This might be a utility or whatever it is, and you think anyone can run it, but you still want the right people in charge. Exactly. You know, oftentimes the the management resonates throughout the business, you know, all the way down, you know, to the, you know, from the the C-suite down to the the tea lady, if you like. Mm -hmm. And it's that um, culture, you know, that we're looking for as well, not just of great dynamic management teams, but also, you know, people that are doing the right thing by the business, by the, um, you know, by the economy, you know, by the, the planet, all that kind of thing. And, um, you know, we, we're looking for high quality management teams um, that are incentivized appropriately, um, but also that have a, a critical mindset, you know, with regards to what it is they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it. And I think, you know, management always is going to be one of the most important things, you know, people look for when they invest in a company because these guys are ultimately the custodian of your capital. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I think sometimes we, we kind of pass over that. We'll leave it there. It's the Enbro Dynamic Compound Portfolio listing Thursday, 17th. Um, and ANCOMP will be the code from the JC. You can buy it via any JC broker. Greg Antonio for Enbro Capital. Always appreciate the time. Hear that? Nothing. Your money can do more when it blocks out the noise, as hard as it is these days. When you invest in the Standler Balanced Cautious Fund, we manage the risks so that you can see stable inflation-beating returns through market cycles. Invest with more certainty at stanlib.com forward slash more. Stanlib is an authorized financial services provider and a registered manager. MoneyWeb now on the money. Some thoughts on the US dollar, and actually I, w- I put this together ahead of the inflation uh, data yesterday, which only, if anything, uh, uh, sort of heightened it. And the question is, has the US dollar has US dollar strength peaked? We've been seeing money flow into the US this year because of fear, fear of inflation, rising rates, war in Europe, energy crisis in Europe, uh, and as a result, dollar 20-year uh, highs, and, and US 10-year treasury bills, as Jimmy was mentioning, you know, up around 4%. That was a, a, a proper return. But those fears are starting to subside. Interest rates are still going up. It may be slow. Inflation is coming down. The war, it's still there. And the tragedy is we kind of start to forget about it. And the European energy crisis, well, it's still there, but they will survive winter. So do we start to see that that reversal in the trend? If we look at the, the DXRY chart, which is the uh, US dollar index chart, it looks to have peaked after those 20-year highs. We've got lower highs. We've got lower lows, which certainly from a technical perspective says, yeah, maybe it's peaked. Where does that money go? Well, we spoke to Froze Bossa earlier in the week from Sunlam, and he was saying EMs. He was very much saying, you know what, the, the dollar at some point will reverse and EMs are going to be the, the, the beneficiary of that. Um, and certainly at the same time, uh, Zar strength, you know, money leaving the U.S., it needs to go somewhere. Some of it's going to go into EMs such as us, and before you can buy our market, you have to buy our rand. So, not calling it, but it certainly looks like maybe that U.S. dollar strength, which, as we said, saw 20-year highs, has peaked. 
That's it for today. We were chatting uh, yesterday. I was chatting with Lynn uh, Robin Cabela from uh, Perpetua Investment Managers about gold. Uh, and, and gold actually had a good night as well, notwithstanding everyone uh, uh, sort of flying into equities. We asked if you were buying gold or maybe you were buying the miners. Uh, almost half of you said gold is a relic. Take your point, but man, if there's money to be made from relics, then let's make some money. 30% said you were going to be buying gold miners. Around a quarter said, yep, you are buying gold. Have your vote, have your say, Twitter and LinkedIn. The show is brought to you by Stanlib. Visit stanlib.com to get in touch with one of their investment specialists. Stanlib Asset Management is an authorized financial services provider. We live every weekday morning, the MoneyWeb website, the app, 6.30 a.m. podcast, just after 7. Thanks to my team, Eddie Nobuchle, Nicole, to you for listening, my guests for their early morning. My name is Simon Brown. This is MoneyWeb Now. We'll chat again Monday with SAPI results. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb Now podcast, posted every weekday at 7 a.m. on moneyweb.co.za. MoneyWeb Now. On the money.